Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2434. Have you ever dreamed of having a house with a big garage, place to put all your toys, do all the fun things you love to do? Well, my guest today will help you find just such a home. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in beautiful, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, with a very special guest by the name of Peter Sedan. Peter, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? We are in gear and ready to go, Mark. Ready to have some fun in the garage. And you'll understand what I mean, listeners, in just a moment. But first, I'd like to ask my guest this question. What's one little thing that people don't know about you, Peter? So everything I do is exactly what my business is. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, and so my social life, and I'll probably mention this sometime, the thing, my social life and my business life are the same thing. Well, sounds like you figured out the secret sauce to life, and that's what Cars Yeah is all about, is how to wrap your passion for automobiles into your career, your hobby, your life, and your profession. So you're a good fit here, Peter. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> well, very good. Well, let me give you a proper introduction here. Peter Zidane is a Scottsdale, Arizona-based luxury realtor who has blended his lifelong passion for automobiles with his real estate business. He owns Homes for Car Guys, that's the number four, Homes for Car Guys, at Russ Lyon Sotheby's International and specializes in finding and selling garage-centric properties in Scottsdale and nationwide. Enjoying the amazing car scene in the valley, that's in Arizona there, uh, Peter saw a need for specialized consulting, so he created Homes for Car Guys and specialized in selling homes with large garage spaces that cater to car collectors and people who need a little more space for their toys, <laughs> like you and me. Most homes are not set up for these car collectors or track enthusiasts, and that's where Peter comes to save the day. He specifically searches for homes in his network and appropriate garage setups for collectors and enthusiasts alike. Understanding the intended use of the garage is key, whether it be a display garage, a workshop garage, an entertainment space, or as he calls, a car seat. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love and we'll be right back. We're going to have some fun today. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 
224-9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and first-hand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Peter, I want to go back in time a little bit before we talk about what you're doing today and what brought you to this point. Have you always had a career in the real estate industry? No, not at all. I lived on the East Coast in Philadelphia, and we were in the food business. I was in the food business for about 30 years, and it kind of prepares you for real estate. It teaches you that service is what it's all about. And so, yeah, I mean, I came out of food and I didn't really enjoy that career. I told my dad I wanted to be a Ferrari mechanic when I was about 15 years old. (laughs) And and my dad said, no son of mine is going to be a mechanic. And he didn't really understand it. And so I kind of moved away from that and, you know, off I went to college and, you know, that that route. And I ended up getting in the food business, which I didn't need a degree anyway. And so uh, when I moved to... uh, to Scottsdale, I said, you know, this is my chance to do what I want to do. And um, I kind of created a path for myself and I've been on it ever since. Well, this is a good story and it's perfect for the Carsia focus. And that is people that have wrapped that passion, what they have into what they do. And what I'm hoping I've done over the last nine and a half years is introduce people that there are all sorts of ways to make a living in the automotive sector. And when you think about homes i've always said this the garage is typically the biggest room in the house but it's the least focused on and every time my wife and i have bought a home or moved the first place i go is the garage like okay what's the garage like is it finished is it big enough all these types of things and many times even in spec homes or new homes they have the door to the garage locked you can't even look in there typically because they throw in all the junk in there and i've always thought well you know what a lot of people use their garage for a lot of different things. But if you're a car guy like you and I, it's an important place. It's where we spend a lot of time. So let's dive into when did your homes for car guys begin? At what point did you realize this is a part of the sector? Because I assume you sell homes also that don't have big garages. But this is a place I want to focus to help those people find the homes that fit their lifestyle. You know, I, I when I moved here in 2014, I was really trying to come up with something different. I knew that I didn't want to go back into the food industry. It was just, uh, it just, I was tired of it. I was finished. And everyone was throwing me, you know, hey, why don't you open a chain of these? And why don't you open a chain? And it was all food related. And so I, I, I spent some time just kind of thinking about what I wanted to do and something, you know, it's not often that you get a chance to hit the reset button. No, that's a bold move. Yeah, I didn't have a job when I moved here. And so versus coming out of an established business. And so I knew that I wanted to kind of retire here, but I was 20 years early for retirement. 
So I wanted to create something that I could really enjoy, something I was passionate about. And I kept going to these car shows and cars and coffees and all these events. And I was just blown away by the amount uh, of exotic cars that were here, of special cars that were here, of classic cars, vintage cars. They were just everywhere. And you're just walking down the street and, you know, a Lamborghini Aventador flies by and you don't even you don't even look. You're just like, oh, yeah, there goes an Aventador, another one. That's really bizarre for me to, to be in that kind of environment. And so, you know, I started thinking about what, what how I could fit into that world with my own passion. I thought about, you know, getting into sales, uh, car sales, and that just really wasn't the direction I wanted to go. I, I don't really care for sales very much. But real estate is more customer service than it is sales. I'm not selling you anything. I'm connecting you with something that you're looking for. And so it's a very, very different way of looking at that for, for me anyway, that's, it's different. Well, I'll tell you something, you're a brave dude and I, my hat's off to you. I have a friend who came up with a great quote. I even created a meme out of this and I posted it and sent it to friends who are thinking about making a change. Uh, the gentleman's name is David Sweet. And he said, to make the decision to call forth change in your life, your thoughts and your consciousness, that is the edge of courage. And I truly believe that is you think about a major shift like that and the ability to do it is is quite a challenge. I know because nine and a half years ago, I did it when I came up with the idea, thanks to my son, to do a podcast. And everybody looked at me like, wait, you were running a company. You built a brand. What what are you doing? A podcast. That's what the young kids do. They, they don't do podcasts. And yeah, here we sit. Your show number 2334 or 2434, I should say. So. Let's talk about how you put this this whole plan together, because I have my grandkids, my daughter and son-in-law live in Arizona, and we try to get over there about every 90 days. And you're right. I'll take him for walks down the street. And you say a Lamborghini, a Ventador drove by last time I was there and he perked mm -hmm. up. He's only two. And, you know, said car, car. And I go, yeah, that's a Lamborghini. And I got to go to a couple of car, cars and coffee events in the mornings and there's a big car culture there. So you had the right setting. You had a place you were going to retire in. So how did you come about the focus of this whole thing as far as building the brand? Because I mentioned in the intro, uh, you're aligned with a big name, Russ Lyon Sotheby's International. Did you have to sell the idea to other people that this was one of the part of the niches you wanted to focus in on? <laughs> no, I had to starve for uh, quite a few years. And I guess entrepreneurs do that frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the very beginning, I remember talking to my dad and, about what I wanted to do. And he said, well, yeah, the roads are all beautiful there. Everything is beautiful in Arizona. Where do they get their money from? And uh, <laughs> It's all imported. <laughs> it, what's that? It's all imported. <laughs> it, a lot of it's imported from every state around. Yeah. yeah. Yep. A lot of the income here is from real estate, you know, and it's from that natural growth that we're seeing, the expansion that we have. The, and so I said, you know, maybe that's the direction that I should head just from brainstorming with him. And then I, I went and I got my real estate license and everyone said, well, you can't, you can't do that. You have to sell regular houses too, you know, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> and so I, I kind of stuck to my uh, ideas and said, you know, I'll, I'll sell regular houses, but my goal is to do this. And so it took years and years of organic growth you know, of uh, getting to know everybody and getting to know the scene here and understanding, you know, really, really 
what the culture is here. Um, and, you know, different parts of town have completely different cultures. Um, if you're out on the, the northwest part of town, I mean, those are all muscle car guys. Um, there's lots of Harleys there. There's lots of uh, uh, speed boats and there's lots of regular boats because they're close to a lake. If you're over in, in North Scottsdale, I mean, that's, you know, Porsche and Ferrari country. If you're if you're downtown, you know, you have the super exotic, um, you know, you're down in Paradise Valley and these guys are living in 30 million dollar houses and they can have anything they want. You know, so it's amazing as you go to different parts of town, you see different structures, different styles of garages, different styles of car collection. Well, what's the key to real estate? Three words, right? Location, location, location. That's all of it. <laughs> That's all of it. You know, my guest on the show previous to yours was Tony Principe, and he's a, a big-time developer in Southern California, and he's the one that has created along lines of all his commercial real estate, Finish Line Auto Club, which is one of these uh, man cave condo type things, but it takes it to an entirely different level. And as you were describing this, how you were building your brand, you know, he started from the bottom too. He was a commercial real estate broker, and now he, he did have a he went into a business his dad had established, but he had to start at the beginning and learn how to sell real estate, learn how to think about how to develop, because all most real estate commercial guys want to become developers. That's the dream, right? They can just build stuff. So for you, you kind of took that same path, but with houses. So let's talk a little bit, have some fun with some of these houses that you sell, because you have a way where, and I'm signed up and I get your emails, and I'll put a link to that on your show notes page, where people can go and sign up and get your notifications of houses that are available. And I sit there and just salivate and go, oh, oh, what if? Look at these houses. So how have you tied yourself into the community so that people now know you as the Homes for Car Guys realtor? So there's a lot of houses that are available, right? There's right Today, right now, there's 16,000 houses for sale in the Valley. And if I just, I'm just doing this live. If I type in five car garage at any price point, mm -hmm. there's 335. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that narrows it down. It narrows it down just a little bit, right? And yeah. <laughs> so if you're working with someone that is focused on that, you know, I'm kind of doing it backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of instead of marketing a house to the to the 60,000 realtors that are here in the Valley and saying, you know, hey, this is what I have. I'm marketing the house to the buyer. I'm, I'm going to to that guy that's desperately looking for it. And, you know, when I first started, I was at Barrett Jackson standing in, in line behind a guy and we, we just started talking and, and he said, you know, conversation led to real estate. And he said, man, I wish I met you a year ago. I was trying to buy this house in California and I kept telling my, my agent there that I had a vintage motorcycle collection and I wanted to, to really display them properly. And she kept sending me three car garages. He said she had no idea what we, what I was actually trying to to accomplish. Yeah, of course not. She she didn't know that that character, and you and I are that character, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's a it's a unique thing, and so I am a car guy from beginning to end, and I talk to these guys on a level that that they want to talk. I, I understand my my clients; they're my friends. Yeah. Wow. Well, this you is know, it's this very is cool. cool. Do you go to the now the auctions are coming up, of course, January, late January there in Arizona. Do you actually go and have like a, a booth set up where you promote your brand? So I have a in fact, we just got uh, accepted again for Barrett Jackson. So we do a booth at Barrett every year. I think nice. this is our I think this is our eighth 
year. Okay. Um, one year they did two during COVID. They did two of them. But so we just love doing it, and um, people at this point expect to see us there. You yeah. know, and now I have clients that are coming in from out of state, and they'll say, oh, "Are you going to be at Barrett? I'll see you at Barrett." And then um, you know, we usually hook up there, and and then meet up at some of the other events that we have. I usually bring, you know, 10, 20 guys to, to Bonhams every year. And when Gooding was here, we loved going for breakfast over at Gooding and, you know, meeting up and having just a great time with everybody um, and, and being part of the scene, you know, and now RM and Sotheby are together. And so that even helps me even more to be tied in with that. And so uh, I definitely, I love it when that's a very, that's a crazy week for me. How bad? Um, yeah, how bad? <laughs> And so I'm, I'm building at this point, I'm building now inventory that I will have for auction week. Nice. Um, and so I have agents that uh, are calling me saying, you know, hey, I'm going to have this uh, uh, one called me yesterday, eight and a half million dollar house with uh, an 11 car garage. Um, and so the, it should be coming on the market in the next month or so. Can you come down and see it? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. Well, this is perfect because I would assume houses that have garages like that only appeal to this specific market. A person that doesn't have a big car collection will look at that and go, wait, I'm paying for all this square footage. And I'm, what am I going to use this for? I don't, my wife and I have a car. We might have a boat, but I don't need 10 car spot in my house. So you've aligned all those things very, very nicely to fit together. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges with selling these kinds of homes? Finding them. Ah, finding the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because there's not very, as I said, there's 335, you know, right now with a five-car garage. And to your last point, you know, when I when I look at a house and it has an eight-car garage and there's a, I mean, eight-car garage is significant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, and it has a ping-pong table in there and, you know, a shuffleboard or something like that. Or, or they have uh, – I, I looked at one that had a 15-car garage and it had a trampoline and a full gymnastics setup in the, in the garage. There you go. And so we hosted an event with one of our car clubs there and the guys were just going nuts because they're saying, do you know how many cars I can fit in here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and meanwhile, you know, the people that were selling the house, I mean, that was the most important thing to them was to have a, a full gym in there. Um, and so when I see something like that, I walk in and see the ping pong table and I just say, well, this guy didn't pay enough money for the house. Like he he got a deal on the house and he didn't care about the garage. So, you know, he wasn't paying extra money for that garage and somebody missed the boat. Do you see with homes that have large garages, are the buyers really paying that much more for that garage space? Or is it such an anomaly that it just happens to be there and it doesn't make a massive difference? Because a lot of times we look at real estate as cost per square foot. And many times even the garage isn't even included in that number. So, so the garage is usually not included in the square footage that they're counting, especially a detached garage is almost never included unless it has a maybe a casita that they're that they're counting as, you know, living space as part of the garage space. Well, basically, I was asking about uh, when somebody's looking for, let, let's say I'm coming to Arizona and, okay, I want a 12-car garage. Is the house going to cost that much more? It probably has, oh, is a large house. I'm is sorry. It, yeah, is it going to cost that yeah. much more just because it has a larger garage? Or am I getting a little bit of a deal there? No, so, you know, the guy that built the garage, the homeowner that actually invested the money in, say, this 
4,000 square foot RV garage, he's the one that spent the most money. And he's the one that, um, you know, was, was so passionate about it that he had a, I say he, but you know, sometimes it's a she, um, there's, um, he was passionate, you know, and it was important to him to go find someone to build this custom home for them or build this custom garage for them. And, you know, that guy spent two, three, sometimes $500,000 on that structure. And, and so then when he goes to sell that, it's really the uniqueness of what it is that allows him to charge more money. Some agents don't get that. And they just look at it and say, well, it's a 5,000 square foot house. And it's sitting on an acre of land. And so these are the comps for that house. And that guy just lost $300,000 worth of investment because the agent missed the, missed the ball. They don't understand that there's a group of people that are out there looking exactly for that structure. Oh, yeah. You know? They exist. I've had friends that their garage is bigger than their house. So, <laughs> you know, because they don't care that much. Usually it's single guys. They don't care that much about this house size. It's more about where they keep all their things. If I'm showing a, a garage house or if I'm showing any house, um, the garage is usually the last part of the house. Because as soon as I bring someone who's a car guy into that garage, even if it's just a three or four car garage that has cool floor or cool paint or maybe it's air conditioned or has a stereo in there or TV on the wall, whatever it is. As soon as I walked them in there, their brain just kind of turned off. <laughs> they they stopped seeing anything else in the house. Yeah. And then uh, at that point, I'm showing their wife the house. Yep. And so that's, it makes me crazy. But so now I've learned, I don't show them the garage until last. And I tell them that up front. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, we bought the house my wife and I live in. We've been here almost 30 years. And it, the garage is what the first thing I wanted to see. And it was a spec home. So the developer was here and he goes, you want to look at the garage first? And I go, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, this is such a cool garage. Oh, I can do this. And then, you know, he's like, I mean, he probably had a hook in that fish. He's like ready to fillet this guy. He sold. I don't yeah. even have to show him anything else. But I said, well, I do have a spouse. So, you know, the rest of the house will, will matter. But well, I want to talk a little bit about you and cars because that's what brought us together. You found me or I found you. I'm not sure how we, we originally connected, but I kept seeing your emails and going, I got to get Peter on the show. Come on, dude. This is a, you know, this is, we got to talk. So is there a car in your past that has really stood out for you, a special vehicle? You know, I thought a lot about that question. Um, and there's been, uh, there's been quite a few. Um, for me, the car has always been the gateway to the lifestyle that comes with it. And, and, and not to be mushy on it, but that's really what it is. You know, if, if you if you have a motorcycle, you become part of a family. When I met my wife, I was doing uh, track events and club racing with a sport bike. And so that was a whole world um, that I was into. You know, I was hanging out with those guys and I was going to dinner with those people and socializing with them. And and um, that's kind of the gateway that that, that motorcycle gave me. And then um, I and I had a sports car and it gave me after, you know, after I got married, I wasn't allowed to ride on the track anymore. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I understand. <laughs> I had bikes for a while too. Yeah. And, the, and the, especially after I had my first son. That, um, that'll that was, do that it. That was the end of that. That'll said, do no, it. Yeah. Right. Hang there. it up. And, and, uh, the bike sat in the garage on a, on a, a rug for two years. And then I finally broke away and sold it, which is I'm sure that's a common story. <laughs> yep. But yeah. the, the, the car is, is a gateway. And so, um, 
it ends up being a piece of my life. I had a, a Volkswagen Corrado in 1992 with the first year of the VR6. And um, I sold that car for a down payment on my house. And then five years later, I bought the car back from the guy. And then I had it until the end of its life, you know, until it, until it had 120,000 miles on it. And somebody decided they were going to have a great party with the car and, and, and mod it out and make it into some monster. The car that really um, is doing it for me, and I would probably look back on it and say it was significant, is my current car, which is uh, I have a, an older Porsche Boxster S. And when I bought it, uh, I bought it because I wanted my son to know how to drive a manual car. Nice. I wanted a car that was, you know, really analog because we've gotten so far away from that. Um, and I have other cars that are very technical and, of course, automatic transmissions today. And I, I really wanted something that was an analog car. And so when I bought that car, and I think I even sent you a picture of it, um, that was that picture is the first time I had driven a manual gearbox in 10 years. Oh, wow. And he was with me, took a picture uh, of the first three minutes I was driving the car and I just had a smile. You can, if you look at the picture, you can see the for sale sign is still on the corner of the window. Yeah, it looks like it's an 06. Is that right? <laughs> it's an 06. Yeah. And it looks like it's a speed yellow perhaps. Uh, it is. Yeah. That's the only color you should have in that car. <laughs> well, you picked the right thing and you definitely have a smile on your face. I like those, those cars. I love the car. I really love the car, you know, and it's, um, but this, so the Boxster, you know, changed a lot of stuff for me because it brought me back to the car shows at a different level um, where I had been sponsoring the car shows and, and entertaining the car shows and, and enjoying the car shows. Now I'm participating in the car shows. And so my wife was never really into the car side. But then we joined Porsche Club and we went on events with Porsche Club. We did overnight events and the social scene is great. And the next thing you know, she says, I love this. This is great. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, she likes that. So my son and my wife argue over who's going with me to an event. And, you know, if we're going to the track, you know, Luca's coming with me. And if we're going to uh, an overnight in Sedona with Porsche Club, then, then Lori's coming with me. Nice. And so that's kind of how it works. So this next question is a bit of a psychology test, and I might twist this up on you a little bit. What I typically ask people is, if you were reincarnated or manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? I'm going to make a switch here. If you were reincarnated as a home, what would you be? Mm. <laughs> well, if I was a vehicle, I would be an, an older 911. Okay. And it's an analog older 911 and because it's uh the way I view it is it's reliable and it's focused and it's deliberate and it's passionate. Um and that would be my 911 side. If I were a house, um I would probably be uh one of the houses that really put me on the map and I'll never forget that house that was uh a 4900 square foot house with a 5100 square foot garage. It was just beautifully done and well thought out. Each The house had its own acre and the garage had its own acre. Um, they had their own septic tank. They had their own, they were two separate entities. And it was just, it was just beautiful. And it didn't matter that, you know, the house had some flaws and things that, you know, didn't flow right. No one cared. People came from all over the country to see this house. And it was fantastic. And it was really um I think that's what it's about. You know, you want the garage should be bigger than the house. 
for a car, for a true car person. And, you know, we, you got to do the stuff like the floor and it should always be air conditioned and, or at least cooled in some way. And, you know, that's free place to put your solar panels in Arizona. Everybody does that. And so there's a lot, a lot that can be done with that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Well, having visited Arizona and staying like in Airbnbs and stuff. Yeah. It gets a little warm there and the, uh, the garages can be miserable. I would assume all these homes, and that was the question I had about cooling because air conditioning is expensive unless you have solar, right? And then you can basically run all that for free. Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have opinions on solar, but that um, I think you should, if you're going to put solar around your house, I think you should own, own the solar instead of leasing the solar. But yeah, I, I, there's no reason that you can't put, I had a client that had enough solar panels on his roof that he was getting credits for the house, the garage, and his vacation home. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Sun's free in Arizona. There's lots of it. There's a whole lot of energy coming through that. Yeah, so. from that son. How about a great book? Is there a book that you've read and enjoyed you think our listeners should uh, crack open? Okay, they probably already read it. You know, the, I like uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain. I, I thought that was a fantastic book and a great movie as well. And it was really what drew me to that or what came out of that was really just, you know, the passion and the spirit. I'm sure most of your listeners have uh, have enjoyed that book. Most recommended book here, along with A.J. Bames, Go Like Hell. And uh, both those authors, uh, A.J. and Garstein, have been guests here on the Cars Yeah podcast. So uh, mm -hmm. there you go. So let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm a bit of an enabler. Like you, you enable people to have wonderful properties and homes. I'm going to park any garage any garage. <laughs> See, garage, you can't get it, get it on my mind now. I, I got to you already. <laughs> you did. You got me. I'm going to park any car in your driveway, in your garage, and you can take it for a drive anywhere you'd like with anybody you would like, including somebody from the past that perhaps is no longer with us. So what's the ultimate drive look like for you if it's on my dime? You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple um, person when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, I would probably be enjoying something like the Copper State and I'd probably be doing it in a, like an early 70s 911S. Again, something very analog, something very uh, just grounded and simple and basic. Um, and that, that's kind of where I go with that. Um, I would do that with my son, and I hope to do that with my son. Um, unless we're going for an overnight, then my wife will fight for it. But um, <laughs> I think that that would be, that would be wonderful. You know, I, I went to... Um, uh, my, my first Porsche, I bought a Cayenne GTS and I bought it in Missouri and, um, my son and I flew out nice. and drove it back. We spent five days driving along route 66. Oh, perfect. And you know, I mean, you, you just do stuff like that. And if for, for somebody that really understands it and understands the journey, um, of the car life, um, and the evolution of this thing that we do, um, that's there, you know, and so all these rallies and these drives and stuff like that, they're just fantastic and they, they're good for the soul. They really are. I had a 1972 911S for a long, long time, and both my kids learned how to drive stick in that car. And my son and I did many rallies and tours. We did a five-day tour up in Canada in that car. We drove up and down the coast here in that car, uh, put a lot of miles on that thing. And uh, yeah, those are memories that, that you just... You got to do while your kids are young because tell you they grow up and they leave. So uh, absolutely, yeah, that's, absolutely, that's the way to do it. 
Peter, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know that the minute we hang up, you've got a house showing, so I will let you go. However, before I do, I'd wonder if you could share some parting words of wisdom or inspiration. Maybe even they tie to when it comes to selecting the perfect home and the perfect property. You know, I, my, my parting thoughts would probably be based on the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, choosing a home is a, is a personal thing and it has to meet your check, your checklist. Um, but, um, parting thoughts, I, I would say it's very simple and it's, um, follow your dream. And if people doubt you, they don't get it. <laughs> Everybody told me for years, you know, don't, don't stop selling regular houses. You have to sell regular houses. And I don't want to sell regular houses and I'm not, I, you know, I'm not great at selling 300 houses a year. That's not what I want to do. You know, I'm really, uh, I focus on what I do. I focus on, on my garages. I focus on my car guys and, um, and I'm very happy with it. Well, so many people that are successful, they niche down and they do something they're passionate and very knowledgeable on. And that's exactly what you've done. So you've proved the naysayers wrong, which I love. I love disruptors. And you're definitely have been a disruptor. Me too. I would encourage people to follow you. How can people learn more about you and get on your mailing list so that they see what I see from you, uh, some mouth-watering homes? I'm everywhere as Homes Number Four Car Guy. So Homes for Car Guys on YouTube is is uh, is great. Instagram is a big one for us. We're everywhere as Homes for Car Guys. There you go. Easy to find. I'll put links on Peter's show notes page. Uh, Peter, hey, thank you for spending some time with me. Uh, next time I come down there to Arizona, which will be pretty soon, I will look you up. Maybe I can uh, have lunch with you, or you can show me a couple crazy houses and convince me to leave the Pacific Northwest and. Live in the sunshine. How does that sound? We'll do both. And we have tons of clients that have houses in both places. There you go. <laughs> so you can, you can go there for the, for the summertime. That sounds nice. Until we talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road in no doubt a very cool garage. Thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!